0: Now, it's time to discover the leader in you. Hey, welcome everybody. I'm excited to be with you today. I'm your host, the leadership linebacker, Dr. Jason Carthen, and we have an amazing show for you today. You know, it's always interesting whenever you have the opportunity to talk about entrepreneurship or even small business ownership, you have a lot of uh, different perspectives. You know, people are Coming from different walks of life and different experiences, and I'm really encouraged and excited about today's show because while there is no ironclad or proven roadmap for a successful entrepreneurship, there are some behavioral traits that may point to success for those who venture down the entrepreneurial path. Some of these traits, you know, that we've talked about in the past on the show are traits like vision, discipline, self-confidence, and a relentless drive. I'm also encouraged because the presence of these traits suggests a recipe for success for both the entrepreneur and their clients because it produces a powerful combination of successful outcomes while adding strategic value to the client and the organization. Now, on today's show, we have someone who knows about creating value for their clients and equipping organizations to succeed. Dr. Linda Sharkey will be joining us to share her thoughts on navigating entrepreneurial leadership from a woman's perspective. Before I introduce Dr. Linda to you, I wanted to remind you that we want to hear your voice. Give us a call here live in the studio at 1-888-281-1110, or tweet your questions to me live at Jason Carthon. Absolutely love the interaction. I also love the interaction on Facebook and. Just being able to connect with you. You know, at the end of the day, I understand what my purpose is in life, and that is to add value and to serve others as they grow and seek after their dreams. Just want to remind everybody also that the uh, Jason Carthen app is live on iTunes and on the Google Play Store. Make sure you download that app. You have me right in your pocket. (laughs) Whenever you want to engage me, you can send me notes. You can also engage me. You can listen to the MP3s, all that good stuff. So I love to uh, interact with you. And then finally, we have the I Speak Life Academy coming up on November 14th, and the topic will be strategic planning for your business success. So if you want to enroll in the course or if you want to show up that day, we'd love to have you. They are always exciting and filled with energy and just engaging. So show up. You can definitely register online at jasoncarthen.com or you can give us a call at the office, we'd love to engage with you in that way as well. Now, without further ado, let me share just a little bit about this very dynamic but humble lady that I had the privilege to meet and interact with. I know you're gonna enjoy her. Dr. Linda Sharkey is an internationally recognized expert on global leadership development and culture transformation. Her specific area of focus is using science and data to underpin her work while assuring alignment to business results and outcomes. She is a noted international keynote speaker and executive coach. Linda is also a recognized author on leadership and talent and most recently co-authored the award winning book, Winning with Transglobal Leadership, How to Develop and Retain Top Global Talent. She has contributed to over 20 books, everybody, (laughs) prior to her current consulting practice. I'm just going to pause there for a second. You know, 20 books. Linda, you just wait. I got to ask you some questions. She was a chief talent officer for HP and held numerous executive human resource positions at GE. Her leadership work at GE was named a best practice by former GE CEO Jack Welch. Currently, Dr. Sharkey is a founding member of the Marshall Goldsmith Group, a preeminent executive coaching firm. She is also a radio show host on World Talk Radio, Voice America Business Channel. She received her PhD with honors from Benedictine University. You know what? I am excited to have you on the show today, Dr. Linda. How are you?
1: I'm great, Dr. C- Dr. Jason. I'm uh, just wonderful, and it's so nice for you to have me. And I just so appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and your audience on this wonderful topic. And oh, thank you for such a nice introduction.
0: Oh, thank you. Well, you know, I have to <laughs> <laughs> You know, I feel the same way whenever people share about some of the things that we do in our lives. It's like, oh, come on, let's get past that. That's fine. That's fine. But, you know, I have to put a pin in that because the reality is someone listening we we're going out to close to 200,000 people dr linda and our reality yeah. yeah i mean that's great our reality is that there's someone listening that may be encouraged by your story and especially a young lady. I have my daughters in studio. They're actually outside making faces at me <laughs> right now, <laughs> but they are encouraged because you have an opportunity to see another young lady do some amazing things in life. So, you know, I give credit where it's due and you've done some amazing things.
1: Well, I've been lucky. You know, I've really been lucky and I've had some great mentors in my life. and. Um, Really, men who have reached uh, out and uh, created many pathways for women to get to get ahead in the world, and, and I'm thankful for that.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great, it's all about reaching back and helping people to uh, grow. So, well, let me ask you this, Um, before we dive in, I wanna let everybody know, you know, I had the opportunity to meet Linda. She was giving a TED Talk in Chicago, and she did a phenomenal job. And when she came up to me, uh, when I was there as well, it was just, it was good to connect, she was so genuine. And I wanna ask you, how have things been since that TED Talk, what have you been doing, Linda?
1: Well, that's a great question, and 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 you know I have to return the favorite the, the compliment to you as well, Jason, because I loved the story that you gave, and you, you know, I listen to a lot of people speak as you do too, and you know you had me at the seat of my at, at the edge of my seat with a wonderful story of really if you put your mind to it how you can really make a difference, and I I, I was in awe of that so. Back at you.
0: Oh, thank you, thank you very much. Now I know you've been traveling. So where have yeah. you been? <laughs> What's been going on? Oh, have you been okay, traveling been, out of the country?
1: Yeah, I've been kind of on a whirlwind. I just uh, was in Dubai. I had a great experience there. I uh, I, I, this is now my uh, second or third time that I've been there, and I had an opportunity to tour some of their businesses there and uh, look at what they're doing to energize their their people and. And uh, I also spoke at the uh, Department of Human Resources, which is really the like our Department of Labor in the U.S. for the Emirates, uh, the, the United Arab Emirates. And it was just a fascinating experience because you think that everybody's so different, but at the end of the day, people really do want the same things from work, and and uh, and and they want the same things for their families and their children, and they want to live their dreams too. And it was it was great uh talking with them and interacting with them and then off to Chicago uh, back to Chicago and then now I'm now in New York and working with other senior leadership teams and and helping them really well you know how I would put it is is helping them come together as people mm-hmm. so that they can work more effectively as a leadership team and be more effective authentic with the people that they're leading. So that's
0: kind of what I've been up to lately. Wow. Well, that's quite a bit now. (laughs) I was just listening to you and I'm jotting down notes. I said, okay, second or third time to Dubai, (laughs) dealing with their uh, Department of HR. Now you're back in New York. And the one thing, though, that I want everyone to listen to, just the narrative in that last piece, you said that you are helping individuals in the organization come together As people dealing with authenticity. And, you know, Linda, that is something that I talk about all the time because it can be so hard to make sure people are being authentic. We have these, and I've shared it with you in the past, but we have these intuitive tapes and we're told the way we should be as opposed to, well, let me just be the best me (laughs) that I can be. So, I think that's great that you're helping people to uh, just be better people and also very authentic. That's that's very important, very important.
1: Wait, you, you know, Jason, I, I love that, um, that you picked that out uh, from, from what I said. But, you know, I don't know about you, but I work with a lot of executive teams. And one of the things that I find is that very often they're really not teams. Mm -hmm. They're focused on their goals for their department. They don't look together as a group to collaborate across. They don't really know each other as people. They know each other as, you know, delivering results for the company instead of looking at things from the point of view of we are the we're the heart and soul of this company. And we need to really work together in a way that others here can believe in what we're trying to do and can believe that this is a great place to work and can believe that this is a great place to live their dreams. And if the leadership team doesn't interact with them with each other like that, no one else in the organization is going to do that
0: yes. either. Yeah, that is so powerful because, you know, again, you know, Linda, you are, wow, you're preaching to the choir with me, but I know for some people when you show up and you start sharing some of these things, that can be hard because you know you have these people that they like existing in silos or maybe that's all right. they've ever known. <laughs> so right. it can be a, a little bit of a challenge, you know, because you're talking about a very relational way of leading, which I am in total agreement with, but I know that sometimes there can be a pushback. And and speaking of that pushback, let me switch gears briefly. L- let me ask you this because you know, really looking at today's show, and we talk about navigating entrepreneurial leadership from a woman's perspective. I want to ask you specifically, why do you think women have not made the strides in corporate America to the top of the house? Why why are they not always in the CEO spot? Because quite frankly, many of them have the skills <laughs> to be able to do that. But from your perspective, why do you think there's a barrier? Well, you know, that's
1: a great question, Jason. And I think you know, it was just a quote in the New York Times and uh, some editorial, and it was it was so interesting. The majority of our companies are still led, and this was a New York Times uh, morning Dowd editorial quote mm-hmm. by a sea of pasty-faced white middle to aged men. Yep. And it's not that people, uh, it's not that this group is not interested in helping move forward. I wouldn't be where I was if I didn't have a couple of really phenomenal male uh, mentors who had power and were willing to, you know, share power, reach down, help somebody else clear the pathway. So there are many, many, many men uh, and others who have helped women move forward. But what I really think it is, Jason, and I think it's finally coming out a lot more clearly in in our research, is that there's an inherent bias that people have Mm. that's not overtly spoken. I just ran into a woman just the other day who said to me recently, you know, she was actually had somebody say to her, you know, I think you really want to have children and you won't be dedicated to really working on the job. Now, this person said that, you know, most people say. Wow. Not quite that overt about their bias. And they probably didn't even realize that they were saying something so outrageous. But I do think deep down there are tapes that go on yeah. in people's heads because they get eleven thousand pieces of information every second going through their brain that keeps them in the gyroscope. And in there is belief that, you know, women should be doing certain things and men should be doing certain things. And women, while they may be capable, you know, they really shouldn't be at the top of the house those are male jobs. And I do think that that's a, a big, a big
0: part of it. Mm. You know, Dr. Linda, I think the, the tragedy for me in hearing that is that in order to be able to combat, um, I would say the, the thinking in that way, people are going to really have to be intentional with doing something yeah. different. You know, and so let me let me do this. We have to take a quick break. But, Dr. Linda, we're going to come back. And and I want our listeners to really think about some of the things that Dr. Linda just shared with us. If it is under the surface and we can't get right to it, then we're going to have to be intentional about first unearthing it and then doing something about it. So everybody stay tuned. You are on, you're listening to Discover the Leader in You and we're talking about navigating entrepreneurial leadership from a woman's perspective. And we're talking to Dr. Linda Sharkey. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back, everybody. This is Dr. Jason Carthen. we are talking about navigating entrepreneurial leadership from a woman's perspective. And we actually have uh, Dr. Linda Sharkey, who's joining us. And before we went to break, she had really just, I don't know, it was a great nugget there, really talking about how after reading a article by Maureen Dowd in the New York Times, how there is an inherent bias, you know, relative to women in leadership and moving towards those C-suite positions. And, you know, we really have to do something about it. And, Linda, do you know if if there is a movement toward trying to do something about it or are we just sort of reacting to it right now? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think we're just sort of reacting to it right now, Jason, uh, because let's let's be honest. 30 years ago, uh, you know, I just was uh, at a seminar with uh, Burton and Associates. It's a well-known organization that does workplace research, and they talked about, well, if you want to be a great workplace today, you know, you have to have child care and you have to have shared jobs and, you know, you have to provide flex time and all that. But you know what? My generation put all those things into place, and the purpose of doing that was to help uh, give people opportunity who had families, maybe single parent, male, female, uh, or, or dual working parents opportunities to get ahead and to work. So that stuff has been around for a very long time. Right. And yet we still know that only 17% of the Fortune 500 companies are led by women. Now that's better than 30 years ago when it was like zero. <laughs> but that's not breakneck speed. You know? <laughs> no, it's and not. It's not huge. And, uh, you know, you still see um, – uh, you know, this is not a political statement. I don't want it to be a political statement, but I'm sure you watched the Benghazi uh, grill down by the good old white boys. Yes. Uh, on on uh, Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And regardless of your politics, another man would not do that to another man. Mm-hmm. Not to the degree that they did that to her.
0: Yeah, it was demeaning at some points, and you know, to be honest with you, I think. At the end of the day, you know, it's just crazy that it's happening right now as people are running and trying to figure out who's going to be the next president. It's like, okay, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that was it, a challenge.
1: It goes back to, you know, that, that, that that's considered all right. It's okay to do that. And it goes back to, you know, my, my point of bias. And I think you said it absolutely well. We have to peel back the onion and be really intentional about what what are we trying to do? Do we really believe that the workplace should be inclusive at all levels? Right. And if we really believe that, then we have to be intentional about it. I personally believe that.
0: No, doesn't and mean that every, go ahead, go ahead, finish.
1: Uh, it doesn't mean that every woman wants to be at the top of the house or every uh, you know, person who's different wants to be at the top of the house, but the, the opportunity to be included and have the chance to do that has to be there. It has to be there.
0: That's right. Just having a seat at the table, you know, Dr. Linda, I think at the end of the day we all want that. You know, (laughs) let's let's at least have a seat at the table, have some sort of discourse around the idea of who's the most qualified. And then, you know, sometimes and this has always rubbed me wrong, even if these individuals are qualified, sometimes if they don't have a seat at the table, we'll never know. I mean, it's just, you'll never know. And, you know, it leads me to my next question. And I just want to remind everybody, we'd love to hear from you. So definitely give us a call in the studio at 1-888-281-1110. You know, this is rare that you're going to have someone like uh, Dr. Linda here to answer, you know, some of these questions live on air. But, you know, one of the things I want to ask you, you know, why do you think bias relative to women and diversity is so pervasive. Why do you think it's? I mean, it's everywhere. Why do you think it's such an issue?
1: Well, I think it's such an issue because it's. It's what I said to you before. We have not really realized how much we are, our brain and and how we think is influenced by the experiences that we had. When when I was growing up, uh, Dr. Jason, you know, it was perfectly fine if you wanted to get a college degree, but you were going to be a nurse or you were going to be a school teacher. Uh, or something like that. Oh, my. Uh, but to grow up and to walk in and say, you know, it was a rare woman that said, I want to be a lawyer, I want to be a doctor. Now there are many that are today. But it wasn't, it it, it was because that was not accepted. That's not what we believed people did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think we have raised a generation, our children, your children, hmm You know, we've raised a generation that believes that they can do whatever they want to do. And I think that the Internet has become the all-time equalizer because very often you're having conversations with people uh, on social media that you have no idea who this person really is, and you're respecting them for the points that they're making and the insights that they have. And you may find out that they're an 80-year-old woman, for example. That's right. Or a a uh, 20-year-old black female, Mm -hmm. and you really don't know that. So I think because we all have these views that have been imbued over the years, that we've never really sat in a room and challenged and said, why do we believe this? And I think that's where we have to get. We have to have to that, because some bias is good, but a lot of bias gets in the way of us personally, moving forward and being the person that we can because we also have tapes that say oh I'll never be allowed to do this I'm sure you experienced that
0: Jason oh absolutely absolutely and I'll I'm just you gave me a segue right there Dr. Linda I had people speak death over my life <laughs> I, bet they, I know they did. yeah and I don't mean physical death but I mean the death of my dreams the hope uh, yeah. being optimistic I mean so you're your commentary right there is very powerful because you know if you don't deal with the intuitive tapes or if you don't deal with some of these uh, biases that you're describing very well i might add then you basically will paint yourself in a corner and you say well you know I, I can't do anything about it this is just my lot in life and that's just that cannot be that's a sad commentary at the end of yeah, the day that
1: commentary yeah. well you know i'll tell you something my mother I mean, she was a college-educated woman, and, and in those days, that was very rare. But she was a social worker, and then she, you know, went went back and, um, you know, to raise children. But she always said, you know, be a teacher, be a teacher. You know, you'll always work, and you can have kids, and, you know, you get the summers off, and, you know, the typical things that people said. And, you know, I got exposed to the business world, and I loved business, and that's what I wanted to do. And if I had listened to that tape and my mother was, playing that tape for me because she thought it was the best for me. Mm -hmm. But if I had listened to that, I'd never be where I am
0: today. Wow. That is so powerful. That's why, you know, at the top of the show I said just someone somewhere is listening to you, and it may be a male-dominated family. It it may just be a very traditional uh, framework of a, I don't know, a single-parent home where the mother is saying, hey, you don't need to go after that. You don't need to do this. So they're hearing your story today, Linda, and this is this is good stuff. And I I have to ask you, you know, as far as your personal journey as a woman leader, you know, and now as an entrepreneur, I mean, what what has that been like for you? I mean, what did it look like and and what made you different? Because obviously, I mean, hey, you (laughs) you've done a lot. So what made you different?
1: Well, you know, it's really interesting that you asked that question, and, and I, I'm reflecting on it. And and I think that I just said I always set some goals for myself. And I know that sounds hokey because everybody says, oh, set goals and you'll make them. But I, I did mention to you that I I was not brilliant in, in, in high school at all. And, I you know, I barely got into college. And then when I got into college, I kind of blossomed because it was a very different environment for me. And um, then I got into some experience with, oh, through the public sector, I worked uh, for the mayor of Homo administration, but through the public sector, I got some experience with joint labor management committees and I worked for a labor union. And I began to see what happened in workplaces when you didn't have great leadership and you didn't have great, uh, bosses, people that cared about others, people that helped others. And I began to see how that created this horrible adversarial relationship where nobody won, and people just came to work every day just to get the job done and order to stick it to each other, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I really, I really don't want to work in that kind of environment. And it and it turned the corner for me. I think had I not out of college gotten the chance. work, I worked for the American Federation of State County Municipal Employees in Washington, D.C., and had I not had the chance to do that, I think I would not have seen um, how the workplaces could really be fulfilling for folks Mm -hmm. and what you can do to make it fulfilling. And that's what turned the corner for me. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I will tell you this before I shut up here. You know, I was asked how fast I could type, and the guy next to me, was never asked that question. And we both had a, a degree in uh, history of political science. I thought that was very interesting. Oh. It also angered me. All and right. because it angered me, I said, well, I can do it. and I'm going to do this as best as anybody can do it. So it you know, was a perfect example of the bias that existed back then.
0: Wow. And you know what? That is so true, because that is just, I'll use one of my children's terms, that's foul. <laughs> Why would they ask you that and not the other guy? Well, right. Linda, yeah, and we have to take a quick break. But as we get ready to transition, I just have to let our listeners know. The idea that Linda was not going to settle, I want everyone to latch on to that because that is that self-confidence and that relentless drive that I talked about at the top of the show. So, hey, if you're going through some different things and people are pushing back and saying what you cannot do and what you're limited to do, don't receive that. Do not accept it, because at the end of the day, you have to figure out how you're going to move forward. Stay tuned, everybody. This is Dr. Jason. We'll be right back with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Welcome back, everybody. Hey, a shout out to Derek in the control room. Got my guy back in there doing a great job. Hey, so, you know, we are talking about the idea of navigating entrepreneurial leadership from a woman's perspective. And before we went to break, Dr. Linda was sharing with us that even though Someone was trying to maybe do it in a a roundabout way, let her know to stay in her place. She was not going to stay in her place. And there is no such thing as staying in a woman's place because she has been doing some amazing things. And Dr. Linda, you know, I want to ask you, and before we go any further, how would people get in contact with you? Do you have a website? Are you on Facebook or social media or anything like that?
1: Oh, yeah, of course cannot be these days, Jason, right? <laughs> but I, uh, <laughs> yes, my website is very simple. It's www.lindasharkey.com. And uh, you can tweet me at uh, Linda Sharkey. Uh, and I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn. And um, I love to hear from people. So yes. I, I hope that people will reach out to me.
0: Yes, everybody, if you're listening, please, you know, go to her Facebook page, uh, reach out to her. There are nuggets of wisdom. You know, Dr. Linda, I've been on your site and I really have to tell you, I love how clean it is. I mean, you got a lot of great information. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got, you got two or three calls to action that people can relate to and, and that's a good thing. And that's what you want. You know, those are good things. So now before we had transitioned, we talked about what happened uh, back then, but let me ask you, what did you learn relative to uh, leadership based upon what was happening around you and, and what took place back then?
1: Well, you know, that's such an interesting question, Jason, because, um, you know, I told you I was working in the labor movement and then I went to work uh, for New York state government. And part of my job was back in those days to create cooperative labor management initiatives so that people could really work together towards a common goal and common purpose. And, I learned a very big lesson. I, you know, we did some award-winning work in New York State. We we won recognition from the president's uh, council in Washington D.C. for for labor relations, etc. So it was very exciting. Nice. But it fell apart. And the reason it fell apart is because of politics. And I don't mean big national politics. I mean local politics, power, and uh, personal self-preservation on the part of both management and and, and labor. And that's when I made the switch. And I said, you know what? Who holds the cards here? Mm -hmm. And who holds the power in an organization? And it is the leaders. And if you have terrible leadership, if you have poor leadership, if you have leaders that are more interested in the role, personal self-preservation, controlling others, using command and control, which, by the way, is the pervasive leadership style even today, then you are not going to have a workplace where people can thrive and where people feel included, and you know, I love to say this, Jason. That you know, we have diversity everywhere. We've had it for ever since there were people. Mm-hmm. So it's not an issue of diversity. It exists in mind and thought, and complexion and looks, and and everything about us is, is diverse. It's about inclusion, and are we willing to include in our decision-making and in our thinking, ideas that are different and approaches that are different from ourselves. And that's what got me interested in leaders. And I do believe that leaders can be shaped. It is an art and a science. And, you know, people can think about and reflect on how they can be different and how they can switch into being more more about others than totally about themselves.
0: Mm. Wow. Well, (laughs) Dr. Linda, you said a lot and I just want to, I want to react to some of that because I was just jotting down some thoughts here. I mean, when you talk about the whole idea of how that personal self-preservation can get in the way, you know, you have leaders that seek to protect themselves and the whole, the whole thought of inclusion. I mean, what you just described is gonna be frightening for many people. I think it's necessary, I think it it has to happen. How do we do it though, because once people, what I've seen when I go into these organizations, these billion dollar companies, people like to hold on to power, and they go, well, I'm not gonna have any sort of inclusion, I'm not gonna bring people to the table, because it may be a threat to me long term. So. How do you navigate that, Linda? I mean, how do we deal with something like that relative to leadership?
1: Well, you know, it, it, that's Dr. Jason, that's such a wonderful question because, you know, that is the prevailing. There are very many light leaders, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because we've gotten as far as we've gotten as a, as a as a human race. But when people who hold on to power at all costs, you really dig down deeper with them and you ask them, what's what's the legacy you want to leave Mm. or what troubles you the most or what are the biggest challenges? You will find, first of all, few people ask them that question. Right. B, you will also find that they're usually not particularly happy with what they're doing and who they are. And then once you begin to find that out, then you can begin to talk to them about well, how do you want to be remembered? And what are the things that are going to bring joy to you every day at work? Now, it takes time, and not everybody will will, will believe in that. Uh, but it's having that conversation with people about at their very core of, of who they are, what's making them tick, what gives them joy about work every day, and what could increase the joy for them. And, you know, there is a truism. And, and, you know, I'm, I forget who initially said this, but, you know, obviously it wasn't me, but you gain power by giving away power.
0: Mm. Wow.
1: And when you're leading a large organization, the only power you really have is for people to willingly want to march alongside of you. That's and right. to get people to willingly want to march alongside of you, you have to give away power to them and you have to honor them. And once you start doing that and once leaders start getting a little inkling of how that feels, that's what begins to help them turn the corner.
0: Mm, wow. You know, that's oof, that's good stuff. And uh, that's a truism indeed because, you know, when you are in a place, when you're in a position and a place of power, and you can give it away. You know what, Dr. Linda, that is just a great example of humility and integrity. Would you agree with that?
1: Oh, well, absolutely agree with it. And and by the way, I don't want to paint this like it's easy to do. It's not easy to do. Right. (laughs) And it requires a high degree. You know, you talk to the best leaders in the world, they're highly reflective. Yes. Uh, You know, they think about what they're doing. They care about what they're doing. And um, they're people that are constantly questioning their own motives. Mm -hmm. And that's not easy to do. We're great Mm -hmm. rationalizers
0: yeah that is so true and I tell you i I put a um I put a post out on facebook i don't know if it was today or yesterday you know after I had gotten done working out i really i was thinking about the idea of how leadership will it will cost you something but at the end of the day you know if you are humble enough and like you said if you reflect enough then you can do some amazing things but sometimes Dr. Linda, we get in our own way and it's hard to, to actually follow through and do some of those things. So this is a discipline that you're describing. Yeah. It is a, it's yeah. definitely a discipline. Well, let me ask you this now, and we have to take a break here in a couple of minutes. Was there something, was there a, a particular epiphany that you had about leadership that really shaped who you are today? Or was it tied up in the story and the narrative you just shared with us?
1: Well, you know, I'll quickly get to this. Um, You know, this has always been my passion in my field. Um, But I got myself caught where I was operating, and I wasn't humble, and I had some hubris. Mm. And I worked for, and this sounds like I'm blaming this person, and I, I can't do that, but, you know, I worked in a very toxic culture, very toxic environment, had a very toxic boss, put down people. um, very difficult demands and I turned around I found myself doing exactly the same thing and you know sometimes you get to the top of the house and you believe that it's all because of you that people are successful as opposed to all because of them that you might have an inkling of success and I stopped one day and I said I just really don't like who I became. Mm. I just don't like who I am and uh, you know I think a lot of people may go through life and find these power positions and not have that and say, am I happy? And the, question, the answer to my question was, no, and I don't like, A, how I'm being treated, and I definitely don't like how I'm treating others. Mm. And and I uh, had to have a quite a heart-to-heart talk with myself and with my team, and um, it's tough to change when you're in that kind of toxic, toxic environment. But I did. I ultimately left the company. But I, I said, this this is not who I want to be known for. It's not what I want to do. And it was a huge epiphany
0: for me. Yeah, that is powerful. And I, you know, like I said, we're gonna take a quick break, but my reality is that the way you just shared that shows and demonstrates the type of humility that you're working from right now. Because, you know, many of us say, hey, you know what, if we have to steamroll over people, that's just part of it. You know, if there are body bags behind us, oh well, they couldn't handle it. But I think you and I both know and would agree, at the end of the day, the more people we can serve and equip to live out you know, their lives on purpose and be fulfilled at the same time, that's what we want to see happen. Would you agree?
1: Oh, I, Dr. Jason, that's why you and I clicked. Um, that's I, it. I absolutely agree with
0: you. All right. Well, I'm we're... in
1: violent agreement with
0: you. <laughs> Excellent. Well, hey everybody, we are talking about some deep stuff and Dr. Linda has given us some nuggets Relative to navigating entrepreneur leadership from a woman's perspective. And, you know, I just have to say don't go anywhere. We have uh, a few more things that we want to share with you. So make sure you stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. It's the leadership linebacker, Dr. Jason Carth, and we are talking to Dr. Linda Sharkey. And we've been dealing with a really uh, intriguing topic, navigating entrepreneur leadership from a woman's perspective. And the idea that sometimes it's going to cost you something, you know, to lead well or to make a decision. And, you know, while we were on break, we had a question come across that really, Linda, I want you to see if you can feel this for us. But, uh... We have a young lady that uh, is doing extremely well, and she was in a position, and she's sharing that, you know, how do you deal when you are forced out of a company due to toxic culture?
1: Wow, that, that, is, a, that is a great question. And, and one of the things, first of all, culture is such a pervasive thing in a company. Mm-hmm. And if it's toxic, it's very difficult to win in a toxic kind of culture because it's constant fear pointing fingers at others yes um, you know making sure that you look better than other people look and that is just so emotionally draining. so one, it may be a blessing in disguise you know to have left the organization there so my my advice is I don't think you need to shy away from that mm-hmm. um, as you're looking for another job but one of the things that I would say is explore the culture of the new companies that you're trying to, uh, you're either being recruited into or you're thinking about joining. Do they have a culture that's compatible with the kinds of values that you have? Mm-hmm. You know, is it a culture that just puts collaboration on the wall or do people really collaborate? And there's nothing wrong in interviews with asking a question like, you know, can you give me an example of, you know, your best example of how you've collaborated around an issue here? Um, and you can get a sense and a tone because people, if you spend enough time talking to folks, they will eventually, they, they will tell you the truth.
0: That's right. And you'll
1: get a picture of whether the company can really be a place where you can thrive. But yeah. it's awful working in a place. And so, you know, like I said, it may be a blessing in disguise for you. That's right. That you... That, that you you, you uh, have a chance to move on and learn from it. And one final piece, I would reflect on the behaviors that that you saw that just were so difficult. And when I was in those circumstances, I vowed I'm never going to use those kinds of behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't want to subject somebody to what I had to be subjected to.
0: Wow, that is good stuff right there. And, you know, I just want to let everybody know, we always love when you send in your questions or you call in. We certainly appreciate that. And, you know, Dr. Linda, you did a great job answering that. I, I think the idea of being proactive, that's what I just took from what you shared there. You need to be proactive. Hey, if you're transitioning, hey, everyone knows it may be God moving you out. (laughs) So that's something to think about too. And you know, once you get to the next place or before you decide to sign on the dotted line, do what Dr. Linda said, make sure you do your due diligence and figure out, okay, where am I going? And what is my ideal situation that I want to transition to? Those are always some things that we want to think about. Now, Dr. Linda, let me ask you this. Now you have a passion and a connection to culture. What got you interested in it in the first place?
1: Well, you know, I worked for, and I'm I'm going to use the company name because it's now defunct, Payne Weber,
0: which okay. is a Wall
1: Street <clears throat> uh, brokerage house. Mm-hmm. And I was there. I was the head of learning and development. And um, in fact, it's what I I used their their the sample there to write my dissertation. And the senior leaders there were. Typical Wall Street, um, command and control, crash and burn, quite, quite aggressive, abusive. Um, and they couldn't understand why every year they were getting uh, employee engagement results that were just awful. Mm. And they had a turnover rate of 33%. Oh, my. And so they they asked them, just think about it. If you have a turnover rate of 33%, what are you doing? You're, you're putting butts in seats every day. That's, that's all you care about. And and a high quality and cost issues on the street. And I started to say to myself, you know, they're spending a ton of money on training and all of this stuff. That's not, it's it's culture. It's mm-hmm. the values that, that that the leaders are demonstrating that they don't even realize that they're doing. Right. And so I convinced them to let me do a, uh, you know, let me take a harder look at the culture and what, what the underlying values really were in the organization. And after we did that, I used the OCI from Human Synergistic. After we did that, we I shared the information back, and they ripped me from pillar to post. Oh,
0: wow. And I,
1: call, I said, hold it. Look at what you're doing. This is what you do every day. Mm-hmm. And this is what's causing this place to make people go underground because they're afraid of getting um, treated that way. And that's when I realized you can have the best strategy, Jason, You can hire the best people in the world. You can, but if you don't have a culture that supports the strategy, that supports the goals that you have, that supports these great people that you're bringing in, it won't last very long. And it sure didn't in the case of Payne Weber.
0: Yeah, and that is so, I mean, that's so appropriate. I mean, I think at the end of the day, you just hit it on the head. You can, you can have all this stuff in place, but if you are destroying people and their emotional wrecks by the time they get there and by the time they leave at the end of the day, your productivity is going to suffer and just the environment is gonna be horrible. So, wow, I am so glad that you are in the trenches dealing with culture, and I'm familiar with human synergistics and the OCI, and I know you're doing some great things with that instrument. Then,
1: yeah, it's a it's a great instrument. It's a, it's a lot of a uh, lot of fun to use, and and frankly, it's it's opened the eyes of many organizations about what their culture truly is, not what they wish it to be, because everybody believes it's something which you know they hope it is, but. It really shows you what is really going on, and it gives you an anchor to know what we need to do to drive it in the direction that that you know is the direction that
0: you want. Excellent. Well, that's what we want. Sometimes we need that rudder uh, just to kind of give us an idea. Now, it won't always end exactly the way we want, but we need to know at least where we are. So, right. Hey, exactly. so we, we had another question just come in uh, from Miss Medley that she is currently reading the 15 invaluable laws of growth. What other books would you recommend, Dr. Linda?
1: Well, you know, I, I tell you, I uh, well, first of all, your books, Jason, are oh. phenomenal. Oh, so I, <laughs> I highly recommend your book. I mean, seriously. Well, thank I, I really you. Do. <laughs> thank and you. I love uh, Jim Kuz's and Posner's books on uh, the Leadership Challenge, and uh, you know, Leading from the Heart, and some of those. I think they're 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 seminal books to read. Yes. Um,
0: Very good. Very good. Well, I, I tell you what. Now we have a couple of minutes left, and you know, one of the things. If I always like to do this, but as a capstone to our time, because it just really got away from us, we only got a minute and a half left. What would be one thing that you would share with these young ladies that are wanting to be leaders uh, in this lifetime? What, what piece of advice would you give them, Dr. Linda?
1: Well, one, very quickly, Jason, set, set your vision for where you want to be and readjust that vision every year, every, every five years. I mean, that's what I did, and a lot of times people told me I couldn't make it, and I did. I kept my eye on the prize, so to speak. Have relentless drive, I think, is is really important, sometimes in the face of very big obstacles, and I'd love to tell you some of the obstacles I've had. But, you know, have relentless drive to, to get your way through and, you know, have passion. Because if you don't have passion for what you're trying to do, you're never going to make it. Right. And be willing to fail. And, you know, you can learn so much for failing. And when you fail, you cry, you feel bad, but pick yourself up. And I know this sounds like a cliche, but dust yourself off and get back in that relentless drive towards going forward. And I think if you do those things, you will have and live the dream that you deserve.
0: Oh my goodness. And before, I mean, hey, they're just gonna have to get mad at me. (laughs) We need to pause here because you, you just said something I tell people all the time, and I like the way you framed it. You said be willing to fail. And, and you just know that you are going to fail. There's no way we can do Absolutely. this every day, you know, without having Absolutely. something happen. But when you say dust yourself off, what does that look like, Linda? Does that mean going back the way you've been doing it, or just very quickly? What does that look like?
1: Uh, I'll tell you very quickly, and I'll give you this quick story. I went to get my master's degree when I was in my 30s. Everybody in the room was taking the, LSA, the uh the GMAT. They were 20, 10 years younger than me. I've didn't do well on the scores. I went home. I said to my husband, I cried. I said, I'll never get a master's degree. I'll never get ahead in this. I got it out of my system. I went to school. I said, look, I really want to get this degree. What can I do? And here are my grades. And they said, you have to audit four courses. And if you get an A in those four courses, we'll let you matriculate. And I did it. All right. And I on to get a PhD after that. So, (laughs) you know, you got to fail. And then you got to say, how much do I really want it? And if you really want it, go for
0: it. All right. That's good stuff, everybody. We are pretty much out of time. We have talked to Dr. Linda Sharkey today. This is an amazing woman. Make sure you tune in next week. We appreciate you here. Take care now listening to Discover the Leader in You with the leadership linebacker, Dr. Jason Carthon. We want to hear from you. Connect with us now. Visit our blog and visit our website at jasoncarthon.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash jasoncarthonenterprises. Follow us on Twitter at Jason Carthen. Let's keep the conversation going. And if you want to listen to the podcast, go to jasoncarthonradio.com. Be sure to join us every Sunday at 2 p.m. on AM 1420, The Answer, to Discover the Leader in You. If you would like to be a sponsor for Discover the Leader in You, call Scott Souza at one 552 2995 That's 1-440-552-2995.